You're listening to Sync Beast. I'm Graham, your host and sync shark in your corner. And after I hit six figures as a sync producer, I made it my mission to turn sync into a game that I could play and win year after year. A simple creative strategy, intense production techniques, and pro-level workflows launched me into sync success faster than I could have ever imagined. I want to sell the farm so that you can create a profitable sync catalog, produce for sync with confidence, and actually improve your lifestyle as a sync producer. So if dominating the sync game this year is on your to-do list, then it's time to answer that call and become a sync beast. What's up, guys? So this is the very first episode, and I want to do it right. I've got a ton of content planned for you guys. It's going to be longer stuff, more story-based, talking about my experience on my rise in sync. What that means for you is you're actually going to get a peek behind the curtain from episode to episode, right? I'm going to dig into the good stuff, the bad stuff, the gems, the lumps of coal, like everything that goes into building a profitable sync catalog is what I want to give to you. And these stories and experiences that I want to share come with a lot of scars. So my hope is that you'll be able to skip over the bad parts, go right to the good stuff, not take on the scars that I did, and you'll be able to get to crushing the game faster. And speaking of, if you follow my content for a while, you know that I believe sync is just a game, okay? A lot of people have a habit of making it into this big romanticized thing, and all I see are specific moves that you can make to render certain results. And those results are hopefully positive ones where you can gather a good amount of data from and then repeat, right? Everything in a game is repeatable. And I've studied and observed enough wealthy and powerful people to learn how they handle their money, how they make things, how they actually bring things into the world, right? And then on the flip side of that, how they protect their assets, how they grow them and protect them. Because at the end of the day, what we're talking about in sync is making tracks, making music that function as assets that earn for you multiple times down the road. So it's very much like a investment or something like a stock or crypto, right? That's exactly how I think of it. And with those systems come a game, right? There are rules to play by. And when you play by those rules, you experience an upside. And if you double down on the upside multiple times over and over and over again, you're just going to see a giant snowball effect, right? That's basically what I want for you. It's not always easy, but it can be simple. And I believe I've boiled the whole thing down into a simple set of rules that I use every single day to build my sync catalog to a profitable status. And it all comes down to this mantra that I've had for years, which is sync is a game. Sync is just a game. And people in the past have asked me to break this down, like how I actually think about this. So I figured out a way to break it up into levels, you know, like, like you're playing Mario or something, where you have to literally go through the first level before you can get to the second one, right? And the same goes for the third one. So I've, I've broken up the sync game into three levels in terms of how you function and behave and what your role is as a sync producer. Because there are numerous phases you have to go through, numerous experiences you have to go through, some of them good, some of them bad, in order to advance to the next level. And you're going to see what I mean in a bit when we talk about the levers, right? It's, it's like there's a series of levers that you can pull at any level. 
So say you're at level one, you have four levers. Level two, you have four levers. Level three, you have four levers. But they're all different, yet connected in some sort of way. So the question to ask is, which level are you on right now? Because playing the sync game the right way is actually a choice. Does it come down to this inherent talent, like musical genius? Fortunately, no. I I don't believe it does. All you need to do is learn how to spot those levers, some obvious, some not, and then you need to literally grab and pull them so you can move on to the next level of the game. So level one is where we all start. And most people will say that this is the worst place to be because you're starting with nothing, but I actually envy sync producers who start out at level one because at level one, your creative capacity and earning potential are limitless. And this matters because the levers that you pull in level one teach you how to work smarter later on. So the levers in level one are you do free work, you mince splits into tiny little pieces, you stroke your ego, and you do everything yourself. So that's what we have to work with at level one. When we're super green, we have no experience, we don't have a very big catalog, right? Free work is work that no one wants to do, okay? And those willing to do what others aren't are the ones who experience outsized returns down the road. Remember that. So doing free work in level one actually behooves you because you get to feel what it's like to undervalue yourself. You get to undervalue your work, right? Mincing your splits into tiny little pieces is a test of your generosity. The most successful people build great things when they learn to let go and trust others to help them. They effectively relinquish proper splits in this process. And the kind of mincing I'm talking about is, you know, giving this person 5% because they wrote a word or two. You give yourself 46% because you think you pulled more weight. Like those really weird, uneven numbers is, is what we're actually talking about here. And if you value money and you're at level one, then you'll likely fall into this in some regard. It's just how it goes. When I started out, I was a greedy miser, but I had to learn how it impacted my output for the worse, right? And we're talking about quality here bringing people on to my projects to increase the quality and then splitting things in an equitable way. Ego stroking manifests as a glorified demo reel. Demo reels are great for showing off your work to others, right? You want to get a gig here. You want to prove yourself to a collaborator there. Like demo reels exist for a reason, right? You need the work to speak for itself. But from a place of vanity, I believe demo reels are a poison to you. They cultivate a look what I did mentality that keeps you in the past. And I say this from experience. I used to try and download every single sync that I got so I could put it in a Dropbox folder. And that way I would have this box of treasures that I could look back on and say, look at what I did, right? But that actually made me retreat back into my comfort zone, whether I knew it or not. And I started to safely rest on my laurels and I started to get really comfortable with the work that I did in the past versus trying to stay at the forefront of my abilities in the present. So that comfort zone there, that comfort kills creativity ultimately, which is exactly why I'm telling you now that you need to feel your ego 
early on so that you can humble yourself later. And in a similar way, when you do everything yourself, you have to be a selfish vampire who wants all the glory. You got to feel the pressure of taking a song from nothing worthwhile to something valuable. You have to do it. And spoiler alert, it's a crushing, unbearable weight. Level one is really, really hard to get past, which is why not many producers get past it. But you need to experience that implosion, right? You need to implode so you can learn your true core values as a sync producer. And yes, it sucks, but the sooner you can get past level one, the sooner you can move on to level two where things start to get more exciting. So if you feel like you're past those four levers, right? Doing free work, mincing splits into tiny pieces, stroking your ego and doing everything yourself. If you're past that, then congratulations, you're in level two, okay? You beat level one. It's a difficult road and feels like it'll never end, which again is why most people don't pass this stage in the game. They'd rather rage quit and crawl back into their low value comfort zone because it's easy. It's easy to do that and easy shit doesn't get you paid. Now, level two, the levers here are you need to do underpaid work, you need to divvy out even splits, you need to learn to take feedback, and you need to learn how to co-create, okay? Underpaid work, even splits, take feedback, co-create. So underpaid work reveals your true value, and your growth as a sync producer hangs in the balance here. And so this is a lot like doing free work in level one, but now you're doing the same work for a little bit of money, right? You have to sell your work short so that you can prove yourself, then raise your rates little by little over time. And that could look different depending on how you actually make money with your music, right? It depends on the library you're with. It depends on the collaborators you work with, how you actually monetize your catalog, which is why level two is also where you realize that doling out even splits instead of mincing them into weird 5%, 7%, 12.5%, you know, just going straight for the even split, 50, 50, uh, 25, 25, 25, 25. Those even splits are your greatest asset when you collab. It may not feel great at first, but splitting the effort evenly is the fastest way to grow a quality network. Because you want to be seen as generous. You want to be the generous producer that people want to work with. So you need to make that a goal. And part of that generosity loops into taking feedback, no matter how harsh, how hurtful. And some people come to me and they're like, oh man, I, I really suck at taking feedback. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to be critiqued about my work. But I actually have a, a different theory about feedback and the the actual blessing it is right because i've taken a lot of feedback i've done a lot of custom jobs i've written a lot of bad songs and the executive producer is just like this is wrong you have to like there was a subway job one time where i had to write five tracks just to nail the direction i had to get five tracks out of the way in order for the producer the executive producer to finally say hey you're on the right track so my theory is that people give feedback when they see value, when they think you're worth it, and they think that your work has something special or has the potential to be something special, that is when they give feedback. 
which ultimately means that you've done half the battle. You've gotten the track as far as you can to be convincing that there is value there. So if I were to give you feedback, that's basically saying, hey, you've done a great job getting it up to this point. Now, if I have notes to change this guitar and, you know, punch up the drums a little bit, that should tell you that you're already on the right track. And you shouldn't let it defeat you because the more you can embrace this feedback, this even if it's raw, right? You want to embrace it and say, this is part of my journey. This is part of my track's journey. This is part of the relationship I have with me and this person giving me feedback. Like so many things hang in the balance. And the sooner you master the art of receiving feedback and you start thinking about it like this, the more money you're going to make in the end. And in a similar way, learning how to co-create well is an exercise in trust. So whether you're actually getting in the nitty gritty, like getting hands on with a track with someone, that could be co-creating, or you're doing the heavy lifting and you have an executive producer or you're working with a vocalist or whatever, that could also be co-creating. Sync producers with zero trust become megalomaniacs that no one wants to work with. Because an untrusting reputation, like how people perceive you as untrusting, that is poison to your career. It's poison to your network. It's poison to your opportunities. You want to be seen as the producer, the collaborator, who is fun to work with, trusting, welcoming of ideas. You don't want to be a megalomaniac. When you give your collaborators space to do their thing, you then profit from their skills and their happy accidents, right? So leave room. Leave room for others to bring their own value to the table. Let them put their own fingerprint on a project because you're going to profit either way. So the levers at level two are doing underpaid work, even splits, taking feedback, and co-creating. So if you could say you're good at all of that, you've effectively passed level two. Congratulations. This is where you start to make a name for yourself in your circle. Plus, as a little bonus, you can now see what it takes to earn a living in this game because you've felt the pains from level one and level two. But more work lies ahead, okay? It's possibly the hardest work. And there's a reason for that because the levers are really, really big and require very, very strong arms to pull, okay? That's how you can think about it. Level three is where you pay yourself, you leverage idea acquisition, you give feedback, and you build teams. So no longer are you doing free work. You're actually the one who pays yourself first, right? You acquire ideas rather than having to be the generator. You give people feedback rather than receiving it constantly. And you build the necessary teams to get really, really good tracks across the finish line. While you're at the mercy of the market in sync licensing, you show up knowing everything you make has value in level three, which is what motivates you to feed the machine that earns for you. You see the things that work, you do them over and over again, just like what I was saying at the beginning of this episode. The rules are there for you to break and bend and follow and do whatever you will to yield a certain result. You get the data and then you can repeat it. You feed the machine that earns for you. Now, idea acquisition refers to one thing. At level three, 
inventing new ideas or inventing new concepts or trying to generate these new novel things is an exercise in futility. And the step above that is innovation, right? You go from invention to innovation, which is where you're combining two existing ideas to make something good. That's very much a co-creating setting, right? This innovation idea. Level three with this idea acquisition concept, this is where you become the producer that others bring ideas to so that they can profit from you. They know that everything you touch turns to gold. So of course, they're going to want you on their projects in any capacity. That could be getting into the nitty gritty. If you're open to that, it could be writing a top line. It could be mixing. It could be giving feedback, right? Which moves us directly into the next lever, which is giving feedback to other producers and artists, which means that you've earned your stripes. People respect you, they trust you, they know that you bring results. You know it, they know it. And now you have a standard that you can live up to and a standard that you hold all other producers to. Collaborators, vocalists, whatever you want to call it. Session players, whoever it is, you hold them to a standard as you work with them or before you work with them or before you recommend them to other people. Every relationship is just as much an asset as your tracks. And only certain assets pay you, just like with the investing, right? You can, you can make bad investments, you can make good investments. Timing the investment aside, if it's a quality company you're investing in or a quality crypto coin that you're investing in, it's no doubt going to grow and you're going to profit, So you need to ensure that everything you're involved in, every project, every investment you make into a relationship, into an idea, it's designed the way that you want. And the easiest way to design the results that you want is to build the teams. Build the teams to get your tracks across the finish line in the highest value way. And team building is the shit that no one teaches you. Okay, It's a a skill, it's an art. And at this point, in level three, you're addicted to putting the right people in the right seats because you've seen the power of it. Doesn't matter who it is. If they're a specialist, if they're good at what they do and they can bring something to the table, I'm talking friends, acquaintances, even competitors, right? People who you're, quote, competing against. They're all assets in their own right. So even if you're not working with someone and you're just jealous of their track, they're technically a motivator for you, right? They're technically a teammate and they don't even know it. So you need to start thinking about your team in every regard, from all angles, from every approach. Whether they're real or imaginary, you can use other people to succeed. And I actually learned this concept from Jim Rohn and it's called the Imaginary Board of Directors. So if your circle is kind of small, right? And you have people that you look up to out in the world, Find the three to five people you would love to bounce your ideas off of and put them on your imaginary board of directors. If you consume how they think, you know, whether it's in memoirs or podcasts or books or whatever, if you consume how they think and you can start thinking like them, then all of a sudden you can bounce your ideas off of them in an imaginary way. They don't know that they're on your imaginary board of directors, hence imaginary. So it's the same thing with your teams, right? You could say, how would Sia sing this song? That is an imaginary board of directors. She doesn't know that she's on your board, but you're using Sia as direct inspiration. 
Where on the other hand, you might have a friend who's in the same room as you cutting a trumpet part better than what you wrote. That would be a case of being on your actual, your real, your tangible board of directors. They carry the same weight if you leverage them correctly. So again, level three is a really hard one to get to and a really hard one to beat. But the levers spell it out perfectly, right? You pay yourself, you leverage idea acquisition, you give feedback, and you build the necessary teams. And if you can confidently say that you're doing all of that very well, then congratulations, because you beat level three. You did the dirty work in level one, you course corrected in level two, and you successfully ascended the ranks in sync licensing in level three. Did it come without a price? No. Was it the hardest thing you've ever done? Probably. But can you say it was worth it? 100%. Because the reality is that no matter what level you're at in this game, you are right where you need to be. Whether you're at level one, whether you're at level two, whether you're at level three, they're all respectable. You have to dig through the coal in order to get to the diamonds. The only way forward is to go all in on where you're at, understand that you're in level one, so you have to feel the pains, you have to navigate the obstacles of level two, you have to learn from those failures, right? That's the only way we grow. That's the only way we get better. And if you don't cringe over who you were in the past, you're not growing, right? I don't know if you ever heard that, but it's so, so true. If you don't cringe at who you were or who you used to be, then it shows you have not grown. You have not changed. You have not modified. You have not adapted. You've not become better. You need to make a mess. You need to screw up and break some rules. And I submit to you the idea that the sooner you subject yourself to the right failure at the right time, the sooner you'll beat the level that you're on today. So you need to be untrusting in order to be trusting. You need to be ego happy in order to release that ego. And that's it. Those are the three levels of the sync game. That's how I think about it and the four levers in each of them. And if you want to learn how to play this game the right way, and you want to skip over most of the bullshit and just get right into the good stuff, then shoot me a DM and we can set you up with a call with someone on the Sync Beast team to talk about what that could look like. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon. 